The base of my sermon comes from the Old Testament reading just read to you from Connie these words. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a good land and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. If you wish, in your bulletin, these inserts may follow along with the questions. Read them before the service, answer them during it, or simply allow God's word to speak to you. Good morning. Good morning. Greetings and peace in the name of Jesus, who is our resurrected Lord. So as past Lent and Easter, uh, we have been talking about promised treasures. Uh, we had themes sort of like ashes and light and bread and stones and palms. And today, promised treasures, milk and honey. If you don't know, we're receiving an associate pastor, Reverend Holman, who will arrive here in June or the middle of June, and he came to visit with us a couple of weekends ago, and so we took him and his wife and some church leaders out to Sweetwater Chop House. You know what I'm speaking about? And so there we ordered a meal, and some of us got the salad bar. So I was in line getting the salad bar at Sweetwater Chop House, and there was a mother with her seven-year-old son there, and they were in line before me. And the son was talking to his mom and said, Mom, I thought we were going to someplace good. You didn't tell me you were going here. I thought you were going to take us to McDonald's. (laughs) Apparently, Sweetwater Chop House, you don't know, it's a nice restaurant here in Defiance. A son thought someplace good is like (laughs) McDonald's. And so my grandfather, my American grandfather, fought in World War II. He was D-Day plus six. Do you know what that means? He arrived on the shores of France six days after D-Day, and he was from a battalion from Euclid, Ohio, my hometown, and he had chemicals. The American army brought with it a lot of mustard gas, so much the Germans weren't even tempted to use any, as my grandfather said they'd have swam in it. So my grandfather served from D-Day plus six in July in the shores of Europe, fighting World War II, eating rations and whatever else he could find, eating dirt, finding various companies or battalions that he could eat from their kitchens from. And there he told me about the days living out in the dirt, fighting with the American army toward the end of the war, He was put in charge of tens of thousands of German and Italian prisoners after the war was over. In July, he took the Queen Mary back, across the pond, back to New York City. And as he got off the boat, him and the veterans, there was this huge display of food that he could only think of, eating rations and dirt and finding meals from other companies. There, he said, was a rich fare turkey and roast beef and filet and young and mashed potatoes and corn and anything that he could think of and just tables and tables of it him and his veterans didn't know what to think it was as if they came to a land flowing with what milk and honey much like that little boy didn't know the milk and honey that was there at Sweetwater Chop House compared to Happy Meals at McDonald's a land flowing of milk and honey so in the parable of the banquet our Lord He invites all the socialites. There's a parable about a story about inviting all the socialites uh, to the richest person in town, and they're having a wonderful wedding banquet. I heard about that years ago. There's supposed to be this wonderful uh, wedding in Philadelphia. All the socialites and all the elites and the rich were going to come, and they canceled it. (laughs) And so people in the soup kitchens and food kitchens got their rich food. And so in the parable of the banquet, all the people snubbed snubbed the host, and they went to the city, the wealthy city, and people refused to come. And so Jesus said, go to highways and byways and get anyone. Get those people who are used to eating at McDonald's and eating dirt and rations and have them come to my banquet. It was a banquet of milk and honey. And so I'd like to ask you, Easter is feasting with family. What's your favorite family feast? Can you tell me? Let me ask you this. When are you going to eat today? And 
What is your family's Easter menu today? Have you planned that? Now, my wife and I were out walking yesterday, and we see a number of cars in front of various houses around the streets around our house. We say they must be having their Easter celebration. Have you planned it? I don't think it's going to be McDonald's. Somebody told me after early service that McDonald's is closed today. But I think you're going to have something far better, correct? What? Turkey? Ham? Filet mignon? Roast beef? One year, my wife and I, we had crab legs and shrimp. That was pretty good. What's your menu today? Because in reality, today, I believe it's going to be a milk and honey festival. Am I wrong? Yes, Easter and celebration is about food, special food, great food. And so today, Easter has all the sights, the sounds, and yes, the taste and the feast of a honey, milk and honey victory. That is what Easter is about. And you've come here today because that's part of your celebration today, but it's much more than just the food you put in your mouth. Feasts are symbols of great victories, and we, God's people, today we feast with Christ. Right now we feast with Christ. I'd like to go through you, with you through the Old Testament of feasts. There's a Feast of Atonement where the Jews would take two goats and they'd paste all the sins of the community on one goat and the goat was asked to go into the wilderness and die, symbolizing that God forgave sins. And the other goat, with all the sins placed upon it, was sacrificed. And they had a great feast to celebrate that their sins were forgiven. And then there's a feast of tabernacles. And what's that about? Well, do you remember the Hebrews had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they were complaining? And God forgave them. And the Feast of Tabernacles is about God forgiving them after they complained. I was thinking about that. Do you or your family, do you have to have a festival for people who complain all the time? Will you please stop complaining? Maybe it would be a festival for that. But they had a festival for that, that God provided for them while they were complaining in the wilderness. And finally, you're familiar with this, the Feast of the Passover. You know, the Hebrews come into Jerusalem, and there they celebrate the great Passover when God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. All these are celebrations and feasts of milk and honey in the Old Testament, and it all points to what? The promised land, the land of milk and honey. People are used to eating dirt and rations. God promised them a land of milk and honey. Let's go through the New Testament now, various feasts. Well, the feeding of the 5,000. Well, hold on, that's not really a feast. But how many of you and I, after a hard day's work and there's no food around, no matter what we get fed, isn't it satisfying? In some ways, that's a feast. So in the 5,000 men there and the wives and the children, probably numbering close to 20,000, Jesus fed them so much fish and bread. Anyone tell me how many baskets were left over? Tell me. Twelve baskets left over. That was a feast. And what about Jairus' daughter who died? So Jesus came and healed her and raised her from the dead. And the first thing that Jesus said to her parents, give her something to eat. Now hold on, that might not be an extravagant meal, but by no means does a very special meal, no matter what they had, because here our daughter was dead, and now she's alive. Give her something to eat. Friends in Christ, I see it myself. For funerals, and many of you have been involved in a funeral here, and there's the funeral service, and we go out to the gravesite, and there's a committal, and there's a Christian burial, and you can feel the pain and the stress leave, and the family comes back to church, or wherever they go to eat, and there's a meal. In some ways, it's a feast. Family members reunite. They know their loved ones in heaven. It's a feast. And then what about the wedding at Cana? Now, my oldest daughter got married many years ago. Her reception is from 6 until midnight. My wife and I, of course, we provided that. I have another daughter. However, in Jesus' day, wedding celebrations lasted for days, if not a week. 
Think about the celebration there. Do you remember what Jesus turned water into what? And why would you leave the best wine for last, the feast? And then there is the prodigal son comes home. And maybe it's been a long time since you've been in God's house. But God welcomes us here. And he gives a big feast for his son who repented with the pigs and came home. And then there's the older brother. Let's not forget about the older brother either. The older brother is the self-righteous, holier-than-thou type that we can't stand. Who said, why are you giving the feast to the younger brother? And the older brother thinks he's better than anybody else. And the father still invites the older, snobbish, holier-than-thou brother to come to the feast as well. And the resurrected Christ eats with his disciples. Remember, Jesus says, take some bread, eat with me. Yes, these are all feasts that the Lord provides for his people. Jesus says this. Can you read it with me? Any person here by the power of the Holy Spirit says, Jesus, come and be my Savior. Jesus not only welcomes us into his kingdom, but he comes and fellowships with us. Remember, eating with someone is fellowship. Now, I had this in a sermon a few years ago, but it's worth repeating that the only place we know about table fellowship is in the high school cafeteria. So I think back to Euclid High School, to 150 round tables. We had a very large high school. And there, in the high school cafeteria, there was true table fellowship. Why? Because the cheerleaders ate with cheerleaders. The pom-pom girls ate with the pom-pom girls. The auto mechanic guys ate with the auto mechanic guys. The people who dressed in black ate with themselves. The kids who were outcasts, who didn't know how to properly take care of themselves. There was kids who were mentally disabled. They ate by themselves. There were the wrestlers ate by themselves. The troublemakers ate by themselves. There's like 10 nerd tables. I sat at nerd table number nine. And you wouldn't think about sitting with another table. The auto mechanic guys didn't sit with the cheerleaders, and the pom-pom girls didn't sit with the wrestlers. But Jesus says this, for those who open their hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will come and have fellowship with them. The Christian church, the promise of the eternal land and milk and honey, that's what you and I are promised today. You see, Easter is a feast of feasts. Milk and honey are nows. You see, you and I, we live in a desert of sin. Sometimes I don't like to watch the news. There are weeks I boycott the news. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. The fighting, the politicians, the shootings, the blame. What's going to happen this week? And we live with a famine of the soul of a world that says there is no such thing as truth. And religion is really nothing but a hoax. We live in a desert of sin. And we live in a famine of a world that denies the reality of God. Yet, Easter is what? Sin is conquered. Jesus forgave all sins. The devil is defeated. Death has been swallowed up in victory. We say that at Christian committals out at the gravesite. Can you hear that? Read that verse with me. Feast of milk and honey with him. I'll realize that the Lord's Supper foretastes the feast to come. Friends in Christ, for those who come up to the Lord's table, we say that therefore the angels and archangels, all the company of heaven, what we receive at the Lord's table is just a little bit example of what we will receive in heaven, the great feast. We now live in the hope of the eternal feast of milk and honey in heaven. That's our great promise. Just like my grandfather, the feast that he saw, just like being at Sweetwater Chop House, that great feast that we will receive. There is no pain, suffering, or grumbling. There is no broken relationships or financial ills in heaven. It's all going to be part of the past. 
In heaven, there is no sin, death, or devil. God will confirm us in righteousness. We can't no longer sin. We will be like the angels in heaven. We won't be angels, but we will be like the angels in heaven. We can no longer sin. And finally, it's a what? Eternal feast. This is what Scripture says throughout the whole Bible about the feast in heaven. On this mount, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. That's for all people. The promise of heaven. Can you read that with me? It's only going to take place in heaven. Blessed is a man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus said that when he's sitting at a table with sinners. Oh, that means you and I. We will eat with him in a feast in the kingdom of heaven. The maids who are ready with him went with him to the wedding banquet. Remember, ten maidens? Five had the oil of faith, and they went, and five had, did not have the oil of faith, and they were shut out. For you and I, the whole scriptures point us to the land of milk and honey. Feast with him now at the Lord's Supper and eternal life in heaven. Many will come from the east and the west will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's really another way of saying Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It will come from all places in the world. Friends in Christ, you know the fastest place where the Christian church is growing? In Asia and Africa. A matter of fact, Asia and Africa are sending missionaries to the United States now. Wow. They'll come from all over the world in the kingdom of heaven. And our ministry together today is to invite encouraging people to come celebrate the feast in heaven in the land of milk and honey that we are promised today. So please, enjoy your feast, enjoy, enjoy your festival. Remember, Jesus comes to you in faith, forgives you, redeems you, that you might live with him, feast with him forever in heaven. Christ is risen. He is risen And how about this for a closing thought? Can you all say it with me? He lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. And all God's people say, Christ the Lord is risen. Alleluia. Amen.